Hello all, we are here with minute 36 of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I am Chris Blair and I am joined by my co-host Andy McMullen. Hey everybody. And we're joined for the third time this week by our very special guest, podcaster, and uh, overall really great knowledge on awesome movies. I'm talking about Kate Littleton. Hello. Kate. Have you changed your opinion at all since you saw this for the first time when you were four? What do you think is the biggest difference for you now as an adult coming back to this movie? No, it's definitely the unlikability of Roger Rabbit. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I used to really like him and I am. So there's, I mean, that and the fact that I have a huge issue with over sexualizing redheads. Mm-hmm. But um, and babies and babies too. Yeah, I really let's not over sexualize anything. How about that's just a <laughs> policy right, right? that we make across that's the board? That's a good call. Yeah, yeah. let's just yeah. not do that. Let's just, mm-hmm. you know, but um, but yeah, no, I, I find Roger Rabbit very unlikable, very unlikable mm-hmm. now. And and yeah, so I think those are my two standouts. I um, it's like when you watch the Gilmore Girls as a child or as a teen, and then you watch it as an adult, and suddenly you're more on Lorelai's side, and then like suddenly you're more on the grandmother's side, and you're like, Rory's kind of horrible. And <laughs> as we grow, right? I think like I think that is so interesting, and I think we've talked. I think I've talked about it before, but like literally, like what is Roger bringing to the table in this relationship? Because Jessica is arguably the hottest tune alive, um, and if she were human, she would sexy us all under the table a hundred times over. Um, She's got Kathleen Turner's voice. Uh, She seems to be relatively like intelligent and have good boundaries, except for around Marvin Acme. Um, And, uh, and Roger is nice to her, but also a rabbit and, and grating. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he's, he's not that funny to humans but you know maybe to tunes it's just a completely different experience like because Betty Boop is also very attracted to Roger in these in the earlier moments it seems like he is universally attractive or the movie's just trying to gaslight us yeah or it's (laughs) 1947 and men are even worse than they are now Mm. and so they're like oh he doesn't beat me yeah exactly he doesn't he hasn't sexually assaulted me (laughs) oh the bar is in hell and he just kind of rolled over the top of it (laughs) i I mean that's a very real possibility too that's what i'm getting from this Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh yeah and that's an 80s lens on it which is really sad oh let's not even dive into the sadnesses of gender disparities (laughs) (laughs) misogyny in this society (laughs) We're on to minute 36 of the movie. Minute 36 begins with baby Herman exclaiming, the whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers and ends with Eddie making a whiskey cough. So, uh, you know, we got baby Herman's line here. I will say this positively about baby Herman. At least he seems like he's being a good friend to Roger here. You got the impression when they were together, he was pretty fed up with Roger, but this is the moment where it seems like maybe baby Herman does care about Roger. He does call him a friend. Yeah, I mean, he he seeks out Eddie to try and get Roger off the hook mm-hmm. um, or at least like help him out. He offers to pay to to help prove his innocence. 
Unless he just knows that his career is intrinsically like tied to Roger Rabbit. Mm. It's like Jerry getting off Tom, right? They can't yeah. move out the other. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. And, you know, there's also the will element too. You know, how much is this about Roger versus how much of this is about Toontown? Yeah. Uh, we get our introduction here to the will, uh, which I guess we could call the MacGuffin of the movie. Um, you know, unfamiliar MacGuffin's just the thing that people in movies are are usually after. So a big part of the rest of the movie is this hunt for Acme's will. But MacGuffins yeah. usually don't matter, right? And this actually matters. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it kind of depends. MacGuffins don't really matter to the audience, but they matter to the characters. Hmm. And, you know, it's... It is a big deal for these characters, though, because the entirety of Toontown seems to hang on this will. Why does he own Toontown? That's a good question. I'm not completely sure how he, how Marvin Acme rose to power and and got the status. I think it's just because he's rich. Like, I, I get the impression that Toontown is just like, it is just a regular piece of property that happens to be imbued with whatever tunes are and it's like infinite yeah once you're in it it's like one of those black hole things maybe that's what's in all those black holes <laughs> yeah it's just a portal to toontown uh, this scene has a lot of really amazing prop and tune work yeah uh, that's what i wrote down yeah the there's there's the stogie which which there's a lot of action. I mean, the entire mm. time baby Herman is, I would love to see this scene without the animation um, to just see like how they had the, that cigar just flip flopping out. Cause you know, baby Herman gesticulates a lot as a creepy old man with the cigar does in a baby's body. And uh, they, they, the cigar work is pretty incredible on the, on the, by the prop masters. Yeah. That's what they're called, right? Just yeah. Stuff up over here. Well, yeah. I mean, that's who made the cigar. Mm-hmm. Stunt, maybe. Pu- puppeteer. Pu- yeah. Puppeteer. Who knows? Are you a puppeteer if it's just a, a cigar and it's supposed to be an inanimate object, but you are like, like, where does the puppeteer start and end? Isn't a puppet mm. just an inanimate object too, though? Yeah, Isn't but it's it just... playing an animate object. That that carriage, that's oh. really good. Yeah. Yes. That whole situation like worked out. That was really a good moment. Like I thought that that like that worked out really great. And the way that they animate, they can animate within the space of moving objects like that. I, I just, you know, I was listening a little bit to your episode with the writer of Roger Rabbit and he was talking about how the animator was so proud of his animation and how he was trying to show that he could do all these really cool things. And I just thought, well, this is a really good example of that. Like this is just very seamless, even now, so many years later it's still seamless like it still works really well yeah it it holds up so well all of it yeah Yeah. i can't imagine how tough that would be to do and make that look anywhere near good i was thinking in this scene in particular it's a scene where the the set is very like brown and tonal there's not very much color in it outside of um the rattle woman uh, and she's not in most of the scene for this minute. Um, 
and how baby Herman is one of the few tunes who is flesh colored, which is also kind of tonal and boring. You know, when they're animating Roger or some of the other animals, they're pretty brightly colored. And so it, it's a little bit easier to see the contrast. And one of the only places where the animation looks a little bit less like, it, it's not that it looks less seamless, which is feels like a double negative, probably is. Um, it's it just it just looks a little bit less interesting, I guess, because it's like a flesh little baby arm that sticks out of the um, out of the carriage against like a brown wood wall, uh, and you don't have that like really stark contrast between like a cartoon and real life. It's weird. Yeah. Although in this scene, my eyes are mostly on Bob Hoskins. I don't think I've mentioned, but I have a huge crush on him and had a huge crush on him for ages. And he was like, I loved him. So I was just staring at him. In this this one, is understandable. Exclusively He's... just a Bob Hoskins fan podcast. <laughs> oh my God. It's... I love him. When I found out he was British, I was like, ah. <laughs> boy, I loved him. I Him and Dick Van Dyke were like a, a sexual awakening for me. <laughs> this is explaining a lot. <laughs> yeah. especially if you saw my husband because he's sort of like a a mix of those two so baby herman gives um eddie a newspaper with the headline mm -hmm. and this headline this whole newspaper cracked me up because i was like i don't know what journalistic standards were in 1947 but this feels like a stretch even for that the the headline is tune kills man marvin acme murdered at the hands of jealous rabbit Gag King leaves no will. Snoop Valiant fans flames of jealousy. So like it's the whole movie. Wow. <laughs> even the, the even the newspapers are into exposition. Yeah. <laughs> right. But also like, was it common practice for them to just like declare a murderer before any investigation had been done because of some yellow paint on a rope? Well, if yeah. it's a tune. Yeah, a tune editor. Oh. Do you think this was more of Judge Doom spreading the simoleons around town to get that headline printed? I think Maybe. it was just there's no justice for tunes. Hmm. And he yeah, already proclaimed him guilty. And he is judge, jury, and executioner. Hmm. The, the Los Angeles Chronicle would normally say allegedly, but since yeah. it's a tune, they don't have to. Yeah, they can go full tablet. Right, let's yeah. talk about the real issues here. These <laughs> tunes are having their rights stamped on. Yeah, I also they, love so there's two pictures on this front page and one is um, the, the infamous patty cake of Jessica and um, and Marvin. Also, you can see her whole face, her her uh, bangs are not covering her one eye. So she looks very different. She actually yeah, she looks does. a little bit like a Disney princess and not like herself in this so photo. That is. Oh, see, I have this fact and then I always second guess myself, but that was not her. That's not her. That's a good thing. Yeah the earlier drawing right it, it does not look like her so no it's, it's yeah it's an early so they made the prop with an earlier version of her oh, and then oh, they changed her for the movie and so that's still and i'm almost you know what i'm not even gonna look it up i'll just let people correct me online <laughs> but that is the that is the original version of her that they were gonna use and then they changed it for the movie it's interesting because like you know jessica in her form in the movie she like almost doesn't have a nose except if she's in profile like she has like one little dot as a nostril um and her face is very like dramatically kind of flattened um and this is it it looks so much more 
generic. Like, you know, she has a more emotive face and a lot more stuff going on, but it's just, it just doesn't have that like iconic, this is something different. This is a totally different character thing. It just looks like any random Disney princess or Barbie or something. Yeah. Oh, but then the other picture is Roger Rabbit's clearly like his headshot or something. And he's so serious. He's in like a jacket and he's got, he's maybe a pen or smoking something. It's black and white. And he's kind of like got his eyebrows raised. It's, it's pretty good. I like a Carrie Grant version. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very distinguished Roger. Well, maybe that's what she sees in him. Oh, might be. Mm -hmm. Might be. When Roger cleans up, he really cleans up. This is not the Roger we know, for sure. (laughs) Eddie seems to be keeping his cool until Baby Herman drops that thing that triggers Eddie every single time and implies that he might work for a tune. (laughs) And uh, the idea of getting paid by a tune to do something just sets him off and makes him push a baby carriage towards a staircase. <laughs> it's like his don't call me chicken moment. Shout out to another Christopher Lloyd movie. Yeah, another another Bobby Zemeckis movie too. Oh my God, you're right. Wow. Yeah. I yeah, just he, made that in my head. He's got his theme right now. Yeah. That elevator shoes joke. I, I Is this more of a joke that baby Herman's short? Is it a- yes. Or is it, but also we sending him towards a staircase. So I thought maybe that had something to do with it too. I mean, um, maybe we know Bob Hoskins, like despite his best, or sorry, not Bob, Eddie. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure Bob Hoskins doesn't live this truth, but we know that Eddie is like, he's pretty toony for a human, you know, mm-hmm. and he's trying to bottle that up and suppress it, but like, he can't, he can't escape his tuniness in some ways. No, I mean, his, his dad was the circus yeah. owner, right? His dad's basically like P.T. Barnum. And combine that with the fact that he's a uh, private eye detective and has got to say quippy things there too. And there's just no, non-stopping these, uh, these lines. You know, Bob Hoskins probably didn't get a lot of opportunities to make short jokes of people in mm-hmm. his career. <laughs> yeah. No, but he's fantastic and his his yeah. character acting is really good but his physical acting is really good in this too like he's just amazing he former mime we bring this up all the time but oh really so he was a sense, mime right yeah oh but he's not how interesting that is interesting can we talk about the drink mm. oh yeah we've we've discussed eddie's drinking a lot but like that was not a shot that was not a one-shot drink like that mm-hmm. was not and and I don't even mean the measurement I mean like the being able to how is he does, was he a sword swallower too yeah like because how are you I can't get that much liquid down my throat how do you get I'm like seriously how is he getting that He's much English. liquid but it's, did, did you see how much was in that glass mm-hmm. that's that was like it's like a solid like six ounces yes yeah. it was how does he it, I was trying to measure it out. I was like, one, if I drink that much whiskey in one shot, I would be floored and I am not a lightweight, but also how, like I, (laughs) I've been drinking wine while I talk to you guys today and it's like this entire glass, Yeah, you know, like that was my one note for this minute was, yeah huge shot what (laughs) question mark question mark question mark yeah we've also been keeping track of eddie's drinks during this movie and this is the seventh drink that he takes 
But some of these drinks have been ridiculous. They're not singles. They're not doubles. No. Yeah. But we also know that Ed is like a complete badass. Like he's an Mm -hmm. alcoholic, but he also, you know, he goes full like Ninja Turtle on that guy in the bar. Like Mm -hmm. Eddie is a tough dude. We can also talk about his girlfriend's a total enabler because when he asks her to pour double, she pours to the brim of a scotch glass. Yeah, she knows her man. So, I mean... Because uh, okay, so we're we're kind of disgusted by Baby Herman, but does anyone feel bad for him when he starts crying like a baby no. over a stogie? No. Okay, no. No. no, I feel bad for him that he's stuck in a baby body. That I do feel bad about because <laughs> that, that is must be terrible. Hell. Well, that that would be hell. I mean, imagine if you had your mind in, but as that would be terrible. He can't walk. He can't move things on his own. He's completely beholden to his. He can walk. Lover. No, he crawls. No, remember he walks under, he walks, well, he can toddle at least. He walks under that lady's skirt in the mm. very beginning. Oh, you're right. He can walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but probably but why? very long distances. Wow, and you got those gams to push you around. Yeah. Do you think this is part of the reason he acts the way he does? This is like, like yeah. short man syndrome times 10 because you are literally in a baby's body. Yes, yes. because we don't know any horrific short men destroying the world right now right you're acting out (laughs) (laughs) yes no actually no I think that that's mean to short people because Mm -hmm. you know people of all sizes can be totally chill Uh and normal Mm -hmm. and I have known and dated a lot of men that were much shorter than me and I've had a lot of short female friends and there's no excuse for his appalling chauvinistic disgusting behavior but have you dated a man stuck in a baby's body no, I don't think I can do that. No, no, I, don't, no, I yeah. have not. No, that would that's be where I draw the line. That would be that would be that would be horrific. That would be and, terrible and, and very much a crime. <laughs> so, no, yeah. And we end it right when Eddie starts to notice something, or about to start to notice something on the newspaper, and we we cut off. Um, so this brings us to everyone's favorite part of the show. I'm talking about little something called Friday with Nish. It's Friday with Nish. Ooh, what a dish. Tell your mother, tell your shrink. Tell us, Nish, what do you think? Yeah. Friday with Nish is where we give a call to our friend Nish and see what he thinks about these three minutes that we talked about this week. How about we give him a call? Hey, Nish. Hey, Chris. Hey Annie, how are you guys? Hey Nish, doing doing great. How how are you doing? Wonderful. You just watched three more minutes of the movie. A lot of things happen in these three minutes. This, these three minutes are a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Um, yeah firstly, are you okay? <laughs> I'm I'm okay. A little bit shook. Yeah. A little shook. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's pretty good. Three minutes. A lot of that. A lot of stuff happens every three minutes. Yeah, uh, a lot of us watched those minutes as a child, and uh, it was a formative experience for for many of us. I think some of us have some some trauma. Yeah, that was um, just doom is more than a corrupt, <laughs> more than a corrupt individual. He's corrupt that he bought the election. It's uh-huh. one of those uh, one of those judges that gets elected. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so how did you feel about the the shoe um, judge <laughs> doom on some yeah that was kind of a horror yeah it's yeah. too evil this guy is too evil and he's gonna he intends to there is no trial in this in this tune town it's gonna be straight execution but he's, uh, he's the judge jury and executioner yeah so i don't think a lawyer character is needed here <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna walk back that prediction. <laughs> I, think, I think that would be a waste for casting money to put in a lawyer here. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be a plot hole. We like, actually, this is just not oh, how yeah. not how it works in Toontown. <laughs> yeah, their justice system is really messed up there. Yeah, I think um, I think Doom's gotta go. Mm. Yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to pass away in these next so many minutes. <laughs> I'm not saying any tune should go ahead and do it. Mm. I'm just saying, in the grand scheme of things, you're saying if a tune were to do it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it could just be an accident, you know. There's like like a... all kinds of banana peels in Tuneland, and maybe <laughs> that thing tumbles onto him, the special yeah. glove that he has. And you know, none of that is available. Mm -hmm. And you know, you've got a yeah, that kind of a person has to die with the, his own weapon, mm. as is, uh, as is customary in the human society. Okay. <laughs> so, do you think that that turpentine concoction, uh, otherwise known as the dip, do you think that would harm a human too? Well, why did he put on a glove? That was the whole point. No, mm. that special glove. Toxic. Yeah, it's it seems like it would be pretty toxic. It seems like you don't want that. You, you don't want that on your skin. Yeah. So he's got to go. Yep, it's got benzene, right? We we talk yeah. about this all the time and I can't ever remember the three yeah. things that are in it. It's, but it's like it's like acetone, mm -hmm. which is nail polish remover, um turpentine, which is, which is paint thinner. Yeah. And is it benzene? I think I think those are the three things. And together, uh, they actually make a they make paint thinner, which um, it's the reason it can kill a tune. Is it can uh, kill paint. at the very least, it's going to ruin your manicure. <laughs> yeah, this was a tough tough scene to watch. Yeah, and Valiant had a good reaction to it. Like he was shook by it. Mm -hmm. He seemed like a guy who's seen everything, and he was shocked by it. And so that also makes it even more intense. Last week you had mentioned the, the baby, uh, baby Herman, we got to see him again. Yeah, I, I don't know if the baby's character is helping, being, him being the friend of Rabbit is helping, helping the, uh, helping the character. It's, he's not a good character witness, I think. You Baby's think might be right about the will and the will being stolen and uh, as a way of stealing Toon land and who could be into it other than the studio which profits of all the tunes and does not <laughs> want tunes to have resources of their own and that's the studio transportation business can come later but i think some of the corruption is coming through 
what do you think the transportation industry's uh, aim would be with all of this? That's what I don't know, but they mentioned it in the beginning that people are losing jobs. Mm -hmm. So wait, so you think the studio, it, it's a plot to um, just like ensure cheap tune labor, like ensure that they maintain an exploited class of people for profit. I mean, I think regardless of whether or not the movie addresses that, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and also just like, I think it was true with humans in in <laughs> the real, in real life. I mean, yeah. uh, still, that's how it is. The movie is still relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Nish's commentary has gotten very like uh, thought provoking and- Yeah, yeah. Philosophical. <laughs> Very somber turn in, in these minutes. So you do think Baby Herman uh, might be working against Roger? No, I mean, it just doesn't, I don't know. If I was in trouble, I would take any help I need, but mm. I don't know. It's kind of a douchebag of a baby, right? And so. <laughs> douchebag baby. baby. He is a douchebag baby. But I also just think like, we talked about this last week maybe it's because roger's annoying like that's the best help he can get is because he's the annoying kid in class yeah uh he has good good jokes though the baby mm. he's got he's got good one-liners um good one-liners and a and a problematic taste in women yeah and a and a three-year-old dinky too yeah yeah that was a fun joke that's <laughs> a fun joke it's not easy to work a baby penis joke into a movie, you know, without, a, it, in a way that's not overly creepy. <laughs> also, there's no such thing as a three-year-old baby. And so, that's <laughs> a, call it a good point. No. So it's a 36-month-old baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, He's still drinking whiskey. I don't know if he's going to stop drinking in this movie. If, if Eddie's yeah. going to stop drinking? I don't know. Well, we I also honestly have a... can't. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Mm, I know. I know. I remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I was trying to think of like, does Eddie have a, a redemption arc from alcoholism? I don't remember. Well, we also have a, a baby smoking a cigar, which, which could be a bigger problem. It's a tune. He's tune. a douchebag baby. How else are you going to know he's a douchebag I mean, unless he's smoking a cigar? Tunes also only die from the turpentine mix, is what you know. He doesn't have to worry about, about lung cancer. I guess that, that is a huge advantage of being a tune, is you can pretty much partake, it, partake in any vice you want without any consequences. Sign me up. <laughs> Honestly. Your boobs defy gravity. Mm. Uh, you don't need organs to fit anywhere in your body. You just be whatever shape you want. You can be an animal. You know, there's like being a tune, frankly, sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're making a case for the metaverse where we can only be known through our identity. Listen, I want to be clear <laughs> that this isn't, um, this isn't me. Uh, I'm not like outing myself as a furry here. I want to make that really, really clear. <laughs> Yeah, this is a safe not space, a furry. safe podcast. I'm not a furry. We've talked about it. I was not attracted to Simba as a child. That's not, 
<laughs> oh, well, yeah, I, I was attracted to Minnie Mouse. So, I mean, I guess I would be the one leaning closest <laughs> That's to That's the weirdest one I've ever heard. Chris. Not a furry either, just to clip, just for the record. No judgment to our audience members who are. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, no. Just you do you. What do you think is up with the will? Yeah, I mean, what happens to... I mean, what happens to a property when it's not listed in a will? It should go kind of like to a, like someone family member, no? By default, like there is some pattern in law. I don't think the dude had a spouse or mm -hmm. children. So it comes into the jurisdiction of the judge. I hope, I hope he doesn't have... I don't think they talk about his wife or children, but um, I hope he doesn't since he's spending all that time playing patty cake with Jessica and, and beating the creep in the front row at the, um, the ink and paint club. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, little, little, little shady. We don't know. We don't know a ton about his home life. So, so yeah, it would be nicer if you didn't have children, but if you think it from a child's point of view, would they have a creepy douchey parent and be rich? You know, I think it would explain a lot if baby Herman was his child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't, we have still not established a tune in human code. Well, do you have any different thoughts on uh, the typical questions? Who do you think framed Roger Rabbit? Now I think that the judge is more than, he could be a co-conspirator mm. with the studio and big transportation will somehow come in and maybe not, we don't know. Mm -hmm. It could be, could be not. Right, but a, a dangling plot line for now with that. Dangling plot line. Uh, but the motive is money, controlling the tunes. Yeah, wonder what caused Eddie's brother to be dead. And I think that mystery will be solved a little bit. And that would add another layer. What had he known? What did, what did he know that should not have come out? And that will be like, oh, this adds another layer. What do you think is going to happen to Roger? Any different thoughts now that we know about the, uh, the I think, dip? I think he lives. I think he lives. Do you think that Eddie is going to help him? Yes. Yes. Roger does not die. And in fact, does not die because of Eddie. Saves him. Okay. Interesting. All right. Some big predictions. Any, any last thoughts on these minutes? Yeah, I think it's gotten pretty intense. Thank you so much for joining us again, Nish. And uh, we'll always talk a pleasure to, you. to have you, Nish. Yes, for having me. I'm yeah. excited for the next few minutes. Uh, great. Um, well, we'll give you a call next week. You know, one of my favorite Roger Rabbit moments was showing it to someone for the first time. So mm -hmm. I, I love hearing someone talk about seeing it for the first time. Yeah. I kind of want to, my mom has never seen it and I want to show her because she's the kind of person who like, like I'll be watching a movie with her for the first time. She's very aware that I have never seen it because it like just got released or something. And she'll be like, well, what's happening there? Well, why? And she'll ask me a bunch of questions as if I wrote the fucking thing. We have and the I'm same like, knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I have exactly the same amount of information as you do about this. <laughs> and the more you talk, the less information that we're going to get out of this because, <laughs> because we're talking over important plot points right now. <laughs> so this one should be real fun. Yeah. My MVP for this minute is the stogie. 
mm. for a couple of reasons. One, is the cinematic quality of of the Stogie work. Mm. Uh, we, we don't know what if it's if it's puppet, puppetry or <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna consult a, a puppeteer about that. Um, uh, but also because it it moves the whole scene forward, right? Like he drops the Stogie. That's why he cries. There's a lot of action happening. So I, I'm, the MVP for that minute is the Stogie. Mm. I would have picked that poor woman. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you think being stuck in a baby's body is miserable, but think about her. Although you know what, maybe her life isn't so bad. She, he's probably rich, and he doesn't have any sexual expectations. Hopefully, yeah. and I well. mean, how fast <laughs> can he run? She can just run away. She can just That's... walk kind of slowly away, and then he's. <laughs> or like, she could just pick him up and hold him at arm's length. <laughs> Wait, he's the I... least dangerous man in in 1947 LA. <laughs> you know what? That's he... true. That's a good point. I mean, but yeah. the stroller does crash into her, but it does prove once and for all that nobody puts baby in the corner. Ooh. You're welcome. No. <laughs> this has been it for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Kate. Where can people find you? Um, I'm not going to plug all things cozy like I have before, even though everyone should check it out. But I do work a lot with my local theater. And um, if you're in Montgomery, or Alabama in general, and you can get to the Cloverdale Playhouse. I really recommend it. They're doing a lot of good things right now, and they're trying to do a lot of stuff to bring more inclusivity to Alabama, and it's respectable. And if you can't get to that because you don't live in Alabama, I really encourage you to check out your local theater. You probably have one. You should get involved there. They're really important to building community. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is a Dueling Genre podcast. You can find all their podcasts on DuelingGenre.com with a link to support. And we will see you on Monday for Minute 37 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit.